Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today's guest is a multi-award winning singer-songwriter with a God-given talent of storytelling. She is the author of multiple books, an obviously gifted musician, wife, mother, and a friend to many. Her new album, Canyon, is available everywhere, and I'm beyond excited to hear the story behind it. Here is my interview with Miss Ellie Holcomb. Ellie, thank you so much for being here today. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to be with you. I'm like, dang, like I just like binged through a ton of content that you've done. And I'm like, this girl really has a story to share and God's doing some amazing things through her life. So let's go. Like this is (laughs) dive on in. (laughs) So how has life been with you and your family lately? I know everyone's been kind of locked in and et cetera. How's that going? You know, they are, the kids are back in school and I think I had the first, and then my little three-year-old is going to like a mom's day out for two days a week, which he's been begging to go to school. He's our little social butterfly who's been locked in the house. So he stands at our window and like knocks on it when people would walk by and he would say, hi friend, hi friend, (laughs) Poor guy. He came to from his first little day of mom's day out and he goes, Mom, I played all day. And that day happened two weeks ago when he first went. And that was the first day that I had been alone at my house um, since COVID hit like a year and a half ago. So wow. it was how, wild. How many kids are there? They're just there are three. There three are kids. Th- Yes. So it's been a lot. You have three kids and somehow you find time to write close to a hundred songs, narrow them all down into a record, write devotionals, kids books, EPs to go with the kids books, shoot music videos, record kitchen covers and record endless amounts of podcasts all while raising three kids and keeping the husband content. (laughs) I just got tired going through that. Like, come on, come on. Top notch. Like, go. How do you do that? Well, I'll tell you what, it is just not alone. Not alone. It's all very integrated. Um, and it's all very not perfect. We drop there are balls dropped all the time. But there is like a community. We have an amazing village. And that's one of my favorite things about doing music. My husband's a musician too. And so we tour together. He tours with his band and then I tour separately as well. So there's just kind of this like both and plus some extra rhythm that we have in our life. And we bring our kids on the road half the time. We have a nanny. Um, I feel like we've had three different nannies and all of them feel like ants. Now the ones have, that have moved on to other things are still involved. We still see them. We just had our first nanny come stay with her little baby at our house. So it is a really beautiful thing. Um, that I've learned early on, especially when my husband and I were performing together for eight years, we were in the same band, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors. And we just literally couldn't have a kid on the road without someone else to watch her, whether that be a friend who was in town or a mom or a dad or an aunt. I mean, literally, we've just had people surround us. And so we have this really beautiful community of people who loves on us and loves on our kids carpools to soccer events for all their stuff that's starting to get busier. So it is busy. My husband is a logistical ninja and then we don't do it alone. Those are, those are the three ways. (laughs) Logistical ninjas. The dude good at math too. He is 
an incredible mathematician. And he's actually getting his pilot's license um, renewed wow. right now. So he's wow. like got his capacity. I can't compare myself to him because um, his capacity in life, like I get into a pretty like dark place <laughs> pretty fast. <laughs> if I compare like what I get done in a day to what he can get done in a day, he's an incredibly intentional human business-minded guy, but also creative, also really a present like father and husband and friend. He is not perfect, but he's, he is pretty amazing. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yeah. And with all of that, yeah, go ahead. I'm just here to say one more thing. Our work team, like my work wives is what I call them, <laughs> Anna and Sam. They like, there are so many things we've, we started off, you know, at first doing everything all ourselves. And we have this team now, um, at work, not just at home, helping us run the family, but we have a team at work. I mean, they're like bringing me coffee, fixing mics just earlier. So it is, it is very, there's very much a sense that we don't do it alone. And that honestly makes everything more fun too. To have like a, a team of people that you're that you're rolling like crazy through life with. And it says a lot that you would take time out to recognize your team. So go team. I love that. <laughs> your work wives, like, let's go. Now, just right off the bat, based on everything that we've already discussed, like the vulnerability aspect of everything that you're doing is super high. And the threshold got even higher when you released this new album, Canyon. Mm. Where did this all come from? Like from the visuals to the lyrics that you've articulated into this, it's all very personal from you. And it's coming from a place of not only vulnerability, but trust that God's going to use it to help someone else get through it. So mm. again, like I commend you for that vulnerability, but I'd really just like to dive into where this record came from and the stories that helped mold it. Sure. I love that, Trevor. So um, I started a counseling journey over a decade ago. I was that girl that showed up at counseling. I, I promise you, I went, I'm literally getting ready to go to a fundraiser for Porter's call. It's an amazing, um, it's like a free counseling service for full-time musicians and artists here in Nashville. And I walked through Porter's calls doors. I don't know, like probably 12 or 13 years ago. 13 years ago. And I was like that girl who went to counseling. And I was like, so I have this friend. Um, they are going through a really hard time. I'm fine, but I just need to know how to help them. And, um, it just sent me on a trajectory of healing of, of acknowledging wounds that I didn't even know were there. Are you, I don't know if you're an Enneagram person, Trevor, are you at all? Do y'all talk Enneagram at all? So I believe I'm a seven and a, it's either a two or a three. So I'm not like a super in-depth on the Enneagram. One of those. I love it. Okay. Well, I'm a seven. That's the enthusiast and personality, like motivation for most everything you do is avoiding pain at all costs. So way to go. You're like a healthy seven leaning into vulnerability with people on this podcast, Trevor. Good job. Um, but I, I just, I think I just thought that visiting painful places would kill me, you know? Um, and so I had addressed those in counseling over the years. I addressed wounds in my story in counseling and talked through them and, um, become a more honest person. It changed my marriage. It changed my relationship with God. It changed my relationship with everybody because I had become, I was raised in the church, didn't know it was okay to not be okay. 
and thought I was just supposed to say, I trust God. I'm just trusting him and I'm believing him and I'm going to be okay. And ultimately that's true. But I think actually you miss the power of the gospel of him to meet us in our deepest places of pain. And so um, basically when my little girl went to kindergarten, which was really, you know, three years ago, three or four years ago now, um, all of these kind of childhood wounds from my story started being triggered. And what I realized was I dealt with a lot of that and talked through a lot of that in counseling, but what I never let myself do was grief. And so I started, um, via a counseling journey, grieving some of the deepest wounds in my, um, in my story. And, um, I, you know, kind of going to touch and breathe and cry in places that I thought if I hang out there, I might get stuck there forever. Does that make any sense? And, I, and, and for me, um, a lot of, and, and it's my dad's 70th birthday actually today, this day that we're talking, which is amazing. Hey, dad. I know. He's, he is an amazing, uh, man. And he would say this if he was here with us, but he growing up, he, so he's a producer, has made tons of amazing records over the years. Um, but was gone for a lot of my childhood. Like work, he would say workaholic, like just MIA always knew that he loved me, but he just was not around a lot. And, um, he had actually just like had this turnaround moment in his life when I was first married and just like basically came completely changed his work schedule, moved to studio home and just said, kids, we have five kids in the oldest of five. He said, kids, I have gotten this wrong. Like I have royally screwed up. I have missed so much of your childhood and all I have to offer you is repentance. Um, and then the gospel to say like, but God, like this isn't the end. I want to write a different story. And so having a parent do that in your life is like unbelievable. So he has actually made most of my records with me. So this thing that took him away from our family, um, it, we always said like God restored the years that the locusts had eaten. Like we got to make records together. And this thing that took, took him away was really something that was a healing thing. So we are like, yes, come back. My mom was amazing. We are like, we're all having a great time here at home. Welcome. Like we love you. Thank you. It has given me so much permission as a parent to know I'm not going to get it all right. And I get this opportunity to make mistakes and to repent and practice that in front of my kids, which I do often to say like, Ooh, mommy got that wrong. I need forgiveness. And thank goodness there is always forgiveness because of Jesus. You know, it has just been a beautiful thing, but here's the deal, Trevor. I, all of that healing had happened. Beautiful, like redemption, reconciliation. And yet I had never actually grieved some of the things that he had missed. So when my daughter went to kindergarten, I just was like, Oh, I'm so sad. All these memories came flooding back that he was not a part of. And so, um, felt guilty for grieving. I don't know. You know, I'm like, everything's fine. We're fine. Why would I spend time going back to this? But what happened is I allowed myself to grieve some of those wounds. Uh, for me, it is the grief started coming out sideways with my kids. Like I was just way overly sensitive, about everything with them. I like was like, so, you know, everybody cries when your kid goes to kindergarten, but I was like, not okay. <laughs> Drew was like, what is happening with you? And so I think what happened, uh, I ended up in counseling and then I did this, 
I don't know if you've ever heard of like healing prayer, but basically just inviting Jesus into some of your like deepest wounds. And all I can say is that kind of in a mysterious, mystical way, I ended up on my face on the floor, on the floor, um, saying, Father, asking him to come heal some of these wounds. And, and it was like the ghost of Christmas past. That's the only way I know how to describe it came. And it was just in this deep, memory, some of them that I remembered, like some of them that I didn't of, of a wound from, from childhood, like early childhood to, to all the way through adulthood. And, um, and every single time I was asking God, you know, where were you in this place? I'd been in a room when somebody had done this in a co-ride actually. And I was like, I, they, so this woman, Mia Fields, she's amazing. She's from Australia. She's like, okay, you're going to ask God to come and give you a picture. And he's going to give you a picture of, of like a wound in your life and your story. And then you get to just say that picture. And so this woman, I was in the room while this was happening with another woman. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this woman gets this picture. She's like, okay, it's good. This woman is like sobbing, this other girl in the room that she's doing this with. And she's like, okay, now you're going to ask God, where were you in this picture? Where were you in this wounded moment? And, and now he's going to give you another picture. And, and, uh, and he's going to show you where he was. And so this other woman starts sobbing. It's this picture of where God was. And I was on the floor like, I am totally jumping on this train. Like I had started counseling this stuff with my dad. And I was like, they don't even know that I'm doing this. But I'm like, just like jumping on the caboose of this. And I mean, that's what happened when I took some space after that co-write to kind of do that by myself. God took me to all these wounded places and every single time, Trevor, every single time he gave me a picture of where he was in this moment. And all of these lies that I realized that I believed about God, that he wasn't really, that he was too busy, like that I couldn't really need anything because my needs might not be met. Or I needed to be really good for him to notice me. Or he didn't really have time for me because he's really busy doing other really important things. Like I just, so many lies were undone in that. And so um, I started writing this whole record about God meeting me in these wounded places and healing things in me. And then continued deeper level of healing with my mom and dad and in our family um, and then healing with my, like, just like knowing how to lean in with my kids. I mean, just so much beautiful healing. And that, I think, uh, I, I, the places that I thought would kill me, if I go to this wounded place and let myself actually grieve and admit how hard it was and how sad it was, um, I just thought I might get stuck there. When I visited those places that felt like death and and allow myself to breathe, I ended up encountering the nearness and the tenderness and the presence and the empathy of God in a way that actually brought me, has brought me to life. I feel more alive and more completely healed than I've ever felt in my whole life. And so fast forward to March 3rd of 2020, I'm in the process of of pre-production, making this record about God meeting me in this personal journey of grieving and, uh, the tornado where Trevor, are you in Nashville? Where are you in the world? I am in, I split time between an hour East of Atlanta and Mount Juliet, Tennessee. The right okay, where great. The ripped through. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like that March 3rd of 2020 was awful. And that tornado tore right through our neighborhood, woke up to the house shaking, like scariest night of my life. Uh, Drew, my husband was out of town, three kids. 
terrifying and, um, running down in the basement just was so scary when the wake of that storm, so much beauty. I mean, you could eat like a king or queen in our neighborhood and people running around with food. There's people playing music in their front yards, people, strangers helping strangers, neighbors helping neighbors. It was so beautiful. And a week later, COVID-19 safer at home happens. And it felt like hope community, like rebuilding got quarantined. And, um, I began to, I, I'm so grateful that I learned to grieve on a personal scale because there was so much global, national grief and loss and suffering. George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, all of this, this like racial tension really that I had been aware of, but not not dialed into in a way I started intentionally listening. I joined a be the bridge group, started grieving and lamenting, um, some of the racial tension and wounding in our country that I just has, it has not been my experience because I'm white. I just didn't know what it was like to be. I started listening to some of my black and brown brothers and sisters. So start grieving on a more, on a much broader scale than I ever have before. Cause I had practiced this like personal grieving. And so, um, it was just a heavy, heavy year, political tension, tension and division within the church. Um, and so, uh, I, in the midst of all of this went to the grand Canyon and when the numbers were lower last summer, it was about a year ago. It was in August, uh, Trevor. And I highly don't recommend going to the Grand Canyon in August. Cause it feels like, I mean, unless you just want to know what like Hades might feel like, <laughs> it's like 117 degrees is so hot, but we, um, were supposed to be on this cruise with my brother and sister and they, um, they were, had gotten childcare. They hardly ever get out. They have three kids. They live in Knoxville, Tennessee. And when the cruise got canceled, thank God, like we didn't, none of us wanted to be stuck on a boat, but we had already had this trip lined up and Drew was like, let's go see, let's go do something. My husband's like super planner, you know, like logistical ninja. He's like, we're going to go do something that's like relatively safe. So we went and camped, like did this camping trip in the Grand Canyon, camped on the Northern Rim, went down into the Canyon, rafted the Colorado river, camped on the riverbanks, rafted out. So when we are down there, our guide, uh, who I'm, I'm pretty sure is not a person of faith, just starts explaining to us what we're looking at. And he's like, basically the, the Canyon walls. Have you ever been Trevor to the Grand Canyon? Okay. This was my it, first time from the music video, but that's it. That's, <laughs> that's that the music video is actually, um, big Ben national park. Uh, because the Grand Canyon was closed because of COVID and the, the, basically because of Indian, like the Native American lands that are in there were so many of the reservations were struggling so badly with COVID. And so they shut down any media and a lot of the parks. And that's another thing to grieve, like that whole part of the story that was a definite part of that trip there of like, ooh. I just haven't leaned into that story and the, and the ache and the loss and the mistreatment that's, that these Native American people here in this country have experienced at the hands of our government. And so I just, it was, um, 
so we were in Big Bend National Park because we couldn't get into the Grand Canyon to shoot it. But I was like, I need a canyon in the river. And my manager, yeah. my my work wife found it. <laughs> she was like, I got this. Um, and so we went to Big Bend National Park, which is an amazing place. That was Santa Elena Canyon in the Rio Grande, the Rio Grande River running through um, that canyon. But our guide said to us when we were down there, you know, the canyon walls tell really tell a story. And it's a story of of disaster upon disaster, upon disaster, landslide, mudslide, volcano, drought, earthquake. And you literally can read it like a book. And then there's this huge divide in the middle of it. But there, and I just thought, I was just like, this looks like all of our hearts, especially after the year and a half that we've all had so much just loss on loss, trauma on trauma. Think of the, thinking of the, the racial story in our country, the story of race in our country, loss on loss, trauma on trauma, wound upon weary wound. And I just thought, man, I think I know more than ever that to be human is to be broken. Like we all know what it's like in one way or another to have our hearts split wide open like a canyon, but there in the deepest pit of the canyon, there was a river running through. And I just had this realization. I wept down there, which was a little awkward on a raft with strangers. But I just thought this is such a picture of the gospel because as it turns out, there is a current of living water. There is a current of God's love that runs deeper than our deepest ache, than our deepest sorrow, than our, than our deepest loss. Um, and that will carry us back to a place where we know that we belong to love and that we belong to each other ultimately. And um, I am sorry, I'm tearing up there. We just had a really crazy loss in our community this last week. My precious priest um, at our church and his 22 year old daughter were taken and in a car accident, just like gone tragic. And he was this prolific, amazing voice, this loving husband and father. And, um, and I think I'm, I've just, um, let myself like weep in the shower. I mean, we, we have those moments of loss where you're like, this is not how the story is supposed to go. Like you're not supposed to lose your pastor who's on, who just turned 50 and is on this, this first day of his sabbatical and his 22 year old daughter and all the days of it. That is not how the story is supposed to go. But I'm just thinking, you know, I, I feel like what I've learned to do is in, as we grieve, even as we weep, there's this beautiful image in, uh, in when Moses is at the burning bush and he says, by what name should I tell Pharaoh to let your people go? Like, what name? And God says Yahweh. And the Hebrew version of Yahweh sounds like a breath. And so sometimes I just think that even when we can just breathe or maybe just weep, we can't even pray. But if we can just weep and let ourselves, give ourselves the empathy and the grace to grieve, uh, God is there. We're, we're praying as we're weeping. And that is what I've sensed even this week. Like I'm just reminded that this is true. There is a God who meets us in our deepest places of grief. And because of Jesus and because Jesus walked up out of the grave, he has been to the grave and then he's been through it. And our suffering, even though it hurts like hell right now, it does not get the final word. Um, and so I think I learned this past year 
how to grieve, but also how th- there is this new sense of, of deep and grounded hope that's grounded like in an empty grave. And I learned that I could sing in the canyon. I learned that I could sing in a valley. There's reason to rejoice even there, even if it's a song of lament, because we're not alone in the lament. We're not alone when we sorrow, when we're in deep places of sorrow, when we're in deep places of suffering. And Trevor, even as we got together, together this week, his memorial was so sad, but there was something so deeply comforting as I'm singing with this congregation full of people and our voices are echoing off the walls in that place, are echoing off this broken story that we're in the midst of. And they're echoing off of a broken God, man. Jesus, who was broken for us so that we could know that we are not alone when we weep. And it is okay for us to weep, to breathe, to shake our fist at the sky. And when we sing in a canyon, our voices really echo off of every single broken piece of every part of our stories. And that is what we experience together even this week. And we did it at the Ryman show that I just did. I had this whole room full of people singing. I missed that so much in COVID. Um, and I hadn't actually been back to church since because of COVID and, and traveling and they didn't have childcare. And we have a crazy three-year-old. So we're like, Oh yeah, we cannot bring him up into like a masked, like silent, somber, no childcare situation. And so, um, the childcare has been on and off with the numbers going up. And so that was the first time that I've been in our church building, um, since, you know, COVID hit and, and it was to grieve the loss of our pastor. And I just thought, man, um, I don't know. I just have this deep sense of, uh, it's okay to grieve and, and, uh, a, a confidence to be able to let myself go there and to be okay to not be okay. Cause I know that, that we are held and beloved, even in these places of deep brokenness. That's so special. And thank you for opening up about that. That's obviously recent and it just ties along into the message of that album. Like when I hear you talk about the canyon and the river running through it, the beautiful thing about looking at canyons, you can see the lines and where it's been weathered over the past hundreds of hundreds of hundreds, thousands of years. And it just keeps getting deeper, deeper and deeper. And it's kind of like, we as people can choose to do that as well. Are we going to, how deep are we going to let it get and how deep does God want it to get? And are we going to allow people to walk in and see it? And one of the things for me personally is like the more vulnerable I get, the more empowered I feel, the more strong I feel um, to share my testimony of overcoming anxiety and depression and just allowing God to use me, even when it's uncomfortable, like suck, but I'm not going to let that get in between me and my calling. And I can see a lot of that in you and just what you're articulating and what you're explaining, like the grief and the sorrow. And it is okay to grieve. Yeah. And people don't allow themselves that time to grieve. And it's super healthy. Crying in the shower isn't ideal, but it's healthy. Yep. It's good and right. And I, and it does, it is a marker. You know, I was just thinking about what you just said, Trevor. People go to the Green King and to behold the brokenness. I mean, it's beautiful. That's what, I mean, it's like the millions of visitors every year to go look at something that is, um, beautiful and, and yet broken. And so, um, I, I have had, I've walked through 
had Mount Fisher <laughs> anxiety, worry, panic attacks, and yes, they are awful. But there's almost something um, I don't know when we're able to lean into that and own a, and uh, Brittany Brown. I love her so much, and and she talks about how. Um, it is so hard to own the brokenness in our own story, but it is a hell of a lot harder to spend our lives running from it. And there is this whole, there's a song on the record about this really inspired by that, but this sense of uh, it's called brand new day, the song, but it's like, we all fall down, but the power moment in our story is what happens after our face is literally in the dust. And if we can stand up in that and be like, yeah, that was awful. I totally screwed up or that kicked the out of me <laughs> like, things that we can control things that we can't. Um, but, but getting up and inviting other people into that is, is I think what we were made for. Mm-hmm. And when you look at a Canyon, it is actually, if you, it's an upside down mountain. And so just like you said, Trevor, like this thing, Whatever the thing is, this loss that you've had in your life, this struggle, this pain, um, this anxiety or depression, this sense of loneliness, that thing, God can. I, I, I just can attest to this personally. I've seen him do it over and over again. It's the last place that we want to go. But he does and can and will meet us in those places. And that is not what defines us. It actually, the scars are the stories that we tell to say, let me tell you a story about healing. And it is not pretty. It was not easy, but this has been, this is like the power, like you're saying, Trevor, like this hard thing has become the thing that actually connects me to so many other people who are walking through hard things. And I think there's such there's such beauty in that. And I think that's the beautiful thing of being invited to be a part of that kind of current of living water to say, Ooh, I'm broken too, but let's go to the river together and, and let's drink together of some, some hope, some nourishment that doesn't run dry. And so it has been a joy. Um, I don't know to hopefully that's my hope for the music is that it would say, Ooh, I'm weary too. Let's lift our eyes to the stars like that still shine in the night. Like let's lift our eyes to look at all these broken pieces to say we're all in this together and still at the very pit there there is life and there is hope. Mm, we can cue the high school musical all in this together right there. <laughs> exactly. Blown away at everything you've shared today. And I can obviously go on for hours and hours and we'll have to do it again. This you've just got such a story to share and it's only just the beginning. Like everybody, if you're listening to this, go check out the music videos, go check out the record, go check out some of these podcast interviews she's doing. Like I said, we can go on for hours, but I know you've got another um, episode to jump on to, but just thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us and have this discussion. I believe that people are going to find so much healing and power in what you're doing. And God's obviously moving through you and just keep being vulnerable I'm sorry to hear about your loss, but thank you, God, moving through that, his legacy lives on and his daughter. So keep doing what you're it doing. Does. It does. Thank you so much for having me today, Trevor. Bless you and what you're doing too. And if you're listening today and you're, you are down and out and crying in the, in the bottom of your shower, I'm just going to end with a quote from Nightbird, who's one of my favorite follows right now. She is in a serious cancer battle. And she says, if you can't see God, look lower. He's right there on the bathroom floor. So Mm. you are not alone. (laughs) 
thanks so much for sharing that. For everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Thank you to New Release Today for making this episode happen as usual. And Ellie, keep doing you. Everybody listening, take this as a call to action. Take care of yourself. Uh, Give yourself some grace. Be sure to subscribe and we'll talk to you guys next week. Hi, friend. Are you stressed? Maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less Podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.